1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Keely Hodgkinson about her training and her plans for the future. That's a proper athlete, Ben. I always get excited when we get a proper, like, high-profile athlete. Got medals, Rick. No offence, no offence to the other guests.
2: <laughs> yeah, all former guests.
0: Uh, sorry, um,
2: le- legitimate Olympic medals. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it. It just feels like we've uh, with all these things. Rick, whenever we speak to someone who's who's actually an athlete, um, it just immediately questions my life choices.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking like. Um, what did your CV look like when you were 19? You know, what could you say of big achievements? Oh, just,
2: uh, getting, not failing everything miserably at school, <laughs> yeah. I reckon, was
1: probably he, like He it.
2: passed his first year university exams, yeah. I, I mean, would been, I would have been, yeah, surviving, surviving going abroad on my own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would have yeah, been probably, exactly. like, those that, sorts of things. That was a yeah, like, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. He held down a paper round, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, you think... Uh, Keely won uh, Olympic silver medal, age nineteen, in the eight hundred meters. So it's it's pretty impressive. It was a hell of a race, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was great. It's it's an amazing distance, and hopefully, she'll talk about this. But it's tactical, isn't it? It's like there's lots of ways to win the eight hundred. It's not just you can kind of David Radisha it and just be like, I'm faster than everyone, and I'm just going to go off from the front. Or you can be more tactical. Um, But I think her maturity racing in, in that kind of in the biggest on the biggest stage was really like part of what was so impressive about. Uh, that silver medal because I think you can get it's a lot of elbows, mate, isn't it? There's a lot of elbows going on. It's
2: not it's not a long time to sort of sort out what you're going to no, do in no, terms no, of no. a
0: race. You've got to really sort of
2: have your there's your plan and then there's ad- adjusting to what everyone else wants to do. Yeah, and I think exactly. that that's the, the sort of that that mix of being like, all right, I'm going to do this in my race today, and then as you say, someone just goes off the front, and you'll be like, oh, well, let's change a plan. I better go with them and see what happens. So um, yeah, a great distance, and yeah, it's going to be great to
0: have a chat with someone um in just as exciting news ben tell us about your own exercise schedule and your own running um yeah i've again just very similar i imagine
2: to keely i've been uh, really really focusing on my uh, threshold 800 meter tempo. no uh i've just been casually doing some running and i went for a big bike ride at the weekend and crashed and so i hurt my leg and that's about it <laughs> <laughs> not in a bad way just then I can't run for a couple of days while my muscles hurt way yeah. and then uh and then we'll be back at it but you've done some actual running so why don't you tell everyone about that
0: yeah have, uh, my, my sort of return to something approaching fitness is is happening so i think i ran about 10 miles along the waterlink way which is um sort of southeast london goes up to Deptford and then goes all the way down to kind of Beckenham, like near croydon um give me give me some mileage i probably ran maybe 25 miles last week so it's kind of getting back into like you know some regular running yeah start feeling like a runner again that's good so uh, so did you enjoy this route what was it like it's extremely flat <laughs> which good. is partly why i chose it because there's not a lot of flat things near me so you have to like follow in a river probably about as good as it gets it's kind of yeah. like i guess you've got canal stuff near you haven't you so this is kind of my my version yeah. of that yeah that's true i do have that
2: but i've got the, i mean eppin's got some very sharp yeah right yeah hills yeah. but yeah there's nothing too arduous around here it's all it's all pretty level yeah the flats of essex <laughs> await that's why it
0: Guest of the week Our guest today exploded onto the scene when she won a silver medal in 800 metres at the Tokyo Olympics. In the process, she beat Kelly Holmes' British record for a distance, and she did all this aged 19. Here to tell us more about her training and her goals for the future, Keeley Hodgkinson. Keeley, how did you first um, get into running?
3: Um, so I used to be a swimmer, and I swam a stupid amount of times a week, and I was like 10 or 11 uh, I think they call it like the schemes and, or something, but it gave me really good fitness, and I did a school cross country for my school. But it's quite funny because the first year of cross country, I actually didn't get picked because, um, well, I should have done because I actually lapped people, but they thought I wasn't back <laughs> And then I remember going home to my mum and being like, "Mum, I swear, like, I swear, I like won that. I should've been that team." But my mum was not really the type to like go in and start shouting at teachers, <laughs> <laughs> so. I didn't get picked. Um, and the next year I did, and I ended up. Um, I was winning all the way up until we had like a I follow the leader back then. Right, right. So like you'd follow because I was only like nine. Um, and at the end, this big guy like ducked under the tape, and I followed him under, thinking like that that oh, was the end. But you had to carry on going. So the girl who was behind me like went for him and woman. So I literally lost in the <laughs> last ten years. Um. But then after that I went and joined the local athletics club and yeah,
0: the rest is history. That's amazing. I love the idea of getting in the cross country team. We 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 talked with um Elliot Giles a while back and he said he got turned away by his first athletic club as well. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're no like, way. Nah, not you, mate. How do we
3: turn you away? Yeah,
0: not no. oh I don't goodness. see any hope in that person.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's You've got not no not, potential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, did you have any sort of running heroes when, when you were growing up? Were you, did you just get into running because it was something that was happening, or did you sort of see people on the TV and you thought, oh, that's something I want to do?
3: Um, no, it was sort of something that was happening. And then as I was getting into athletics, that's when we started watching it. Um, but Jessica Ennis was definitely a big inspiration growing up. She did make me want to be a heptathlete, um, but it just never really happened, unfortunately. <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, I did get Ennis, and then obviously I've heard a lot about Kelly Holmes, but she, I was like two when that was going on, so that's not so much. But um, I enjoy watching athletics, I think, you know, it's nice to see what goes on, some really inspiring figures around.
0: So you you remember then, like, was was London 2012 something that's that's like an early, like a memory for you that was kind of, in, you were actually inspired a little bit by seeing someone like Jess Ennis there?
3: Yeah, so I actually, I quit athletics when I was around 10 or 11, and that's when I always be a swimmer. Um, me and my dad used to have these arguments because he would say I was a much better runner and then I'd take that as like, oh, so you can really money about swimming then.
1: Right. And we'd have
3: the <laughs> constant back and forth. And then <laughs> basically I, I quit the swimming and um, it was watching London. When I was about 10 in London 2012. Um, watching that has made me go back to athletics that summer and like seeing you know, her like being the face of London and like everything that went on, her wing goal was just amazing even back then. So, yeah.
2: And then we fast forward to Tokyo. And you're you're stepping up, you know, and you're you're at the start line for this race, and you there's a you're medal potential. What are your memories of that day and and the race and how it all panned out?
3: Right, it feels so long ago, you know. <laughs> ago <before. laughs> it was like eight nine months ago now, but um, I think that day was just kind of I just kind of like woke up and was like, right, I'm in the final. That was the big thing, getting to the final. Remember watching the semis. And, like, the semis is always, like, I think it's so so cutthroat. Like, going from 24 people to eight, that's so hard. But obviously, I don't want to do four rounds. That's just too much. Yeah, I remember watching the semis. I remember seeing, I think I was the last one, and I remember seeing Alex Bell's heat before mine. And I'm looking at him being like, oh, shit. I'm gonna have to run quicker because they <laughs> ran really quick. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, Oh no, there's no fastest loser spots now. Like, so once I crossed the line I and mean, then the way I ran this I mean, was a bit that's not what we talked about. So you know, even just getting free was a bit like, Oh thank God for that. But um yeah, once I was in it, I was I was so relaxed. Like, um, to me it was just like going out and executing. I knew what shape I was in, I knew what I could do. It was just like, yeah, not getting carried away and, and just focusing for two minutes and then um, yeah
2: all came together. we were chatting me and rick about this in terms of the tactics of the 800, and how like you can have what you set out as your plan and then how you adjust accordingly to the other races and what they're doing how did you, how do you cope with that as a sort of thing if you know if someone goes from the gun and just wants to absolutely smash it for the, the you know off the first lap is there a sort of do you have these contingencies built in or do you just have to hold on and see what happens
3: uh <laughs> I guess, I think you can kind of like, um, so before the, the vinyl we obviously spoke about like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, of everything that people could do. And obviously people have got their strengths and weaknesses. So we kind of predicted how the race would go and that is how it ended up planning out. I kind of thought a thing would take it on because um, that's, you know, she seemed like quite the front runner um, and quite strong like that. But you literally, can't really, I, to me, I think the 800 starts at 300 minutes to go. You just jog around yeah. for a bit and then, then it's... <laughs> <laughs> it literally does though because whoever's in the front at the 300 is very rarely at the front at the range depends on the races obviously but you know then there's short like slow races fast races um because tokyo the first lap like for an Olympic final was actually quite slow it was fifty fifty 57 9 and i went through in 58 4 but it ended up being a one fifty five race which is absolutely crazy so i'm not quite I'm not quite sure what happened
0: yeah it's well we were saying that it's like um I feel like you've got to hold your nerve with those kind of middle distance races where, there's a lot of elbows going on, and like just actually sort of holding your nerve and 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 believing that actually you've paced it right must be um, part of the part of you know the challenge. As far as what a um what a training week looks like for you now, what what what's it made up of, and what what's the kind of mix of track work and and longer slower stuff as well.
3: Um. So a lot of people find my training quite weird because I don't really do like slow stuff I don't really like long runs is not really a thing in my um training plan um they are in the summer because but that's when the track sessions get more intense so obviously you need the the slow recovery days then but in winter it would be like um I, I do a lot of cross training to just try and keep off my feet because too much um too much time on my feet I end up getting like those stress responses and stuff so I do cross training on Mondays. Tuesdays, I'll like double with the cross trainer and then I'll do like a track session. Um, Wednesdays is the only time I do, do a run. It'll be a 30-minute run and then a, f- a 40-minute cross trainer with some gym. Thursday is the same as Tuesday, but maybe more of a tempo-type session. Friday, I always have Fridays off. Um, Saturdays will either be, in the winter, like a longer session. In the summer, it'll be a track session. And then Sundays in the winter will be hills, um, and in the s- summer season, so i have I'm done doing sessions on on Sundays now. I just do still run.
0: Wow, so loads of quality, loads of quality, but not too many miles. Yeah,
3: yeah. i almost train like a sprinter. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the eight hundred is like is getting towards that. I think there's a whole new like not sa- maybe science is the right word, but like perspective of eight hundred training being you actually need the speed. Like it's not always about doing miles, miles, miles. Um, but then it depends what kind of 800 money you are. Because if you're a 1,500-800 winner, you're going to run it a lot differently to how a 400-800 is going to run it. Um, so it's sort of very technical, very interesting, I think.
2: Yeah, definitely. Especially when you talk about how much cross-training you're doing and gym stuff you're doing there. That's like sprinting, kind of like a world <laughs> of... Like you know, I mean, he yeah, lifting yeah. stuff for
0: power and all those sorts of things. It's, it's yeah. Do you remember yeah. Elliot Giles talking about it, Ben? With you uh, said he, he ran fifteen miles a week. Yeah, and loads of stuff was on on the elliptical.
3: Oh, his is so interesting.
0: It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah.
3: Elliot's training. and I've spoken to him before. I just don't understand it. Because I think he's quite prone to like calf injuries and stuff. So he literally barely runs. And and I'm like, this is crazy. How do you <laughs> how do you do that?
2: <laughs> we had um sophie powers on who's an ultra runner and she was doing at, m- at one point most of 35 miles a week and just going to the gym and she was yeah, running 100 yeah. mile races
1: oh my god yeah
2: lots of different ways to to uh yeah to cut up, <laughs> aren't <they>? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly so there's so sort of high mileage stuff that sort of people <laughs> kind of stick to maybe you know it's uh... do, you even, do you even count mileage keely would you even like would you even be like oh, i know what, i know what miles i'm running a week or is it because it's not really about longer runs you just like who cares
3: um, I'll know, like my watch will tell me cause I okay, keep yeah, it on the yeah, watch, yeah. but I don't really like, um, I don't even know if Trevor, Trevor might count them and, and know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, you yeah. might know like, oh, this winter you're going to hit like, so this winter we tried to go with around 35 for the winter. Um, some weeks would have been like 28, some weeks would have been 36, like it just varies okay. depends, but yeah, around yeah. like the, probably like a 32 on average. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Through winter, so that's but other than that, I don't really count it now. I just like to know my recoveries during rep sessions.
2: Do you have a session that always tells you when you're getting close to race fit? Is there, or is there one bit session that you kind of lean on to get that top end performance stuff going?
3: Yeah, so there's a session we do which is like a it's like kind of usually the, like the last kind of session I'll do before champs and it's a split 800, 400, 30 seconds, 400. You basically just win an 800, but it's very accurate um the outcome um so i remember in tokyo i, I did that session it was my session before the champs and i think i split a 155 three and then did it run 155 eight um so when you when you run that well you kind of like okay the kind of the honest reflection of um of where you're at So that one i'd say
0: when you're um when you're racing as far as nutrition what like what be your sort of pre-race breakfast let's say if before before you were sort of trying to run well
3: um porridge. porridge. I feel like this question is, is like everyone has the same answer.
0: But yeah.
3: gonna, <laughs> every so just say like something. Porridge. Mad, like cav- caviar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
3: I'm gonna have porridge, I always have a cup of tea, absolutely love them. Um and then probably literally white bread, white toast. It has yeah. to be white. In my head, it has to be white.
2: There's um I can't remember the name of the athlete I interviewed, he was running Tokyo Marathon. And he wasn't sure he did. not He would normally travel with food and he didn't. And he had just plain white rice with jam on it. That was his <laughs> pre-race food. Have you ever had to, when traveling around, have you ever had to deviate and adapt to some strange, <laughs> or do you always have a bit of like, a, 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 a you know, a, a quick pot in the in the suitcase?
3: I usually don't, to be fair. I'm an African that doesn't have the spare snacks. I've taking everyone else's, but... No, usually we're in Tokyo though wasn't it, so it would have been very different options. Usually there'd be some granola somewhere lying around that I could have, but no. I know people that do that though as an actual thing. Um I think Osama has like as you know he has he's uh he runs for Italy, but he um his pre he pre race is literally just plain rice with milk.
1: There
0: you go. That's it.
2: It is. this is it's the a thing we get asked so many times like oh well, should i have this with this and it's like if i put some banana with it is it going to do and it's like well look at the elites they just want plain rice
0: yeah some jam <laughs> are you very, very strict with your diet keely or do you do you allow yourself like the odd indulgence
3: so i always i eat pretty well i'm not really a person that like craves takeout or craves and mackies or things like that because they just yeah. don't really feel very good but um so I'd, like, rather have, like, some of my friends would be like, oh, can I get a Chinese? And I'm like, I'd rather eat a chocolate bar, to be honest. That would
0: be right, okay. my, yeah. like,
3: thing. So I eat pretty well, like, not out of, like, oh, I have to, just because I like to. Um, and, you know, like, I do eat a lot of fruit and things like that and carbs and stuff. But there'll always be a chocolate bar there, Dave.
2: You've sort of got a, a duo training set up with Trevor a Painter and Jenny Meadows. Um, is it nice to have... The two sort of influences and the two inputs when it comes to, to building. Do you train with one more than the other, or is it just sort of like a good cop, bad cop situation? <laughs> Hold
1: up. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host.
3: Um. So Trevor is the coach that so he sets everything. And um, Jenny, to start with, with, I'd say she's really good to have because obviously she's been there, she's done it. She's there's still people on racing that she was racing. Obviously they were at the beginning of their career, now they're at the end. So. It is really interesting, um, and there's also stuff like she'll be like, "Oh, she'll see a session about, oh, I know what shape you're in because she's done it and she knows what it feels like." So just having that extra input is really good. But um, I think, yeah, she'll sometimes be like, "Oh, maybe don't do this, Trevor," because when I did it, I felt like this and that little improvements like that. So I suppose I am getting there. Like if they've made any mistakes or they've they could learn from anything. I'll get the right, <laughs> the right way yeah, yeah, because yeah. they've already done it, which is which is quite good. But we just have a lot of fun to be honest. They are like second parents to me they've got a little girl now, um, Arabella, who comes everywhere with me on um, training camp. So yeah, we have a lot of fun. I think that's part of why it works so well.
0: That's that's nice because I feel like that's not part of a training schedule that you imagine has a role in kind of like elite athlete life. The idea that actually training should be fun is that do you feel like that actually is a kind of key component to what what makes it so successful
3: yeah yeah definitely like our training groups definitely follow some characters that um just keep it light-hearted and <laughs> keep it a lot of fun um and Trevor's like the big dad joker anyway so he's always trying to crack out some jokes but yeah I think that's his, his philosophy is like you know, a happy athlete is a fast athlete um so one priority would be making sure I'm happy off the track because then when I come to the track it's not extra stress it shouldn't be An extra chore it should be something i want to do something i enjoy um so that's kind of the key thing we go for
2: do you ever take yourself off for a run just for the sake of it i mean you probably don't have that ability in the in the in the week in terms of time and you don't want to expend extra energy but you know the the majority of our listeners will be recreational seeking running for sort of pleasure people is that something that falls into your life (laughs) is it allowed to happen that way no no no
3: If, if anything i'll find a reason to sit on the couch (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. oh no we all do um, that that's fine yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> no um, and i think suppose maybe sometimes in like um off season or when i'm going in between races i actually quite enjoy a nice little run. you know like you're not doing anything mm. so i'm like oh i quite enjoy the run but um and you do feel better afterwards but no there's no extra
0: extra no around. Right i'm <laughs> just gonna pop off for a little 5k on my own here just, like park run. <laughs> just a little park run. um you have experienced some injuries in, in your career. I think sort of knees and shins and, and that stuff. Um, what lessons have you learned, do you think, or advice do you have for avoiding injury? And, and how, how have you learned to kind of cope with it psychologically? Because I know kind of coming back can be a challenge as well.
3: I think psychologically, I don't think you can ever really be prepared for injury, especially if things are going so well. So, like, obviously, I tore my quad a second time um, in January, not January, March, just before the world Indoors. But I literally, if the champs had been a week before that, I would have got through it. Um, that's when I did my 400, 400 session. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And then literally a week later, it was just too much. Um, but I had been struggling with bit for like two, three weeks up to that, uh, which was a bit mentally, it's more just mentally draining me, trying to get rid of a chance. As people I wanted to interview, ask questions, and I'm going to the track. But I didn't even know if I was going to get through the session, in all honesty, because it was like, some days are were really good, and the other days it was like, they're a bit sore. Um, but I think the lesson learned from injuries is just, I think it teaches you resilience and determination um, because even when you're injured, there's still a lot of things that you can do to keep fit. Like Trevor's really good at making sure when I get injured, I tend to come back in the same shape or sometimes stronger and just because I've worked so hard on the bike and rehab and things like that. Um, But it definitely is testing because everything is easier when training's going well.
2: After the Olympics and the sort of like media hype drops away and the sort of things like that, did you hear any nice stories from you know you were inspired by watching Jess Ennis and did you ever did you hear from sort of like young female athletes who would get in touch and be like actually I saw you racing and now I want to do it how important is that to you in terms of inspiring new generations of runners
3: um there was a few stories I can't really remember some a now but I remember like some I get some letters sometimes off some younger girls that are like and to me I can don't I don't think of myself as that so it's a bit of a weird role reverse, but it's really nice, you know, to know other people look up to because you know the sport. It's not an easy sport, and I think you know it's a lot. A lot can, we can give a lot in the sport, but keeping people in it is the uh, hardest part. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's just nice to know that people are looking at and watching, really, because obviously I work really hard um, to do what I do, and to pe- people that enjoy watching it is it's just a nice feeling. I think.
0: There's been a lot of chat about. um, Running shoes on the road and on the track. Um, what's it like running in the in the Nike Dragonfly spikes? Because they are seemingly giving. So not, I'm not going to say an advantage, but actually it, people people are getting quicker, and they seem they seem to have, be having an effect. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, the Dragonflies are very comfy. I use them as like a kind like of splat type um type shoe. I have raced in them. I raced in them all last year, but I'm actually thinking I'm going to switch to the Max Fly now, um, okay. which is interesting. But yeah. Dragonflies. I, really, I didn't even realise they weren't carbon plated. I thought they were. Everyone was telling me they were, and then Nike I was like, they "No, were they're as not. Well. Yeah. No, <laughs>
0: yeah, they're <right>.
3: not. <laughs> they're just um the the victors a carbon plate, and the Max is a carbon plate, but the Dragonflies are just the X foam. Okay. Um, but they are very comfy, and they're very. Um, I don't know in terms of people have said that they're supposed to help with like car fatigue. Okay. Um, I don't know what they do in terms of that, but yeah, I think you can tell on the track, obviously people are getting quicker and whether that's to do all to do shoot, I'm not sure. Cause it's probably worth maybe like half a percent, more percent, but yeah, at elite level, yeah. it's a lot, I suppose if you could take mm. that as a factor, but you know, I think we're moving with the time. So, and I think it's good to see like 30 year old world records be taken down. And if it's technology yeah. that's doing it, it's good to see. So I think uh, it's quite, it's quite good. They're quite comfy. I like them.
0: What would what, what be the difference of the max fly then? Is that, cause that is a carbon plate, isn't it?
3: it has got a carbon plate but that's a sprint spike
0: okay. um,
3: which confuses me because you'll see people in the 100 wearing them and then you'll see them in the 800 wearing them and yeah, it doesn't yeah. really quite make sense but um, I just like the upper material of a Max Fly and they're not as bouncy as the Dragon Fly because the Dragon Fly mm, okay. is more spongy and is a bit more cushioning um, but I think my guess is the carbon plate maybe the reaction of the foot is a bit more like you get more out of it maybe because of the carbon
2: plate do you have any sort of like apart from race shoes, do you have like a whole, do you, we speak to people and they're just like, they have this for this, this shoe for this session, this shoe for this session, this shoe for this, do you tend to, because your distance is so set, do you just train in the shoes that you race in, or do you have a, like a way of just building up to things?
3: I know, I'm quite boring when it comes to this question. I don't really, I literally just use Pegasus. That's it. <laughs> I run in the peg because I know people tempo in like the next percent. So like the, there's the new streaks out now, I think. But, um, for me, I don't always want the carbon plate advantage. I'd rather like it's almost like when you you know when you warm up in trainers and you put your spikes on and you feel really good. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I want to do all the, the dirty work and just the normal stuff. And then when it comes to racing, I'll, I'll put on a pair of spikes and I feel absolutely great. Um yeah. it's probably a psychological thing, but yeah, I literally just run in the Pegasus and then on the track, depending on the session, I will vary between dragonfly and maxfly.
0: Yeah, exactly. You want an extra gear, don't you, on the actual day? So summer ambitions.
2: As the, as the sort of weather is getting better, um in terms of world champs and, and Commonwealth Games, what what's what's the aim?
3: Well, originally I was going to do obviously the world indoors the world and the Commonwealth and the Europeans as a question mark, but I think with like having missed the world, I want to try and do all three. um I think that'd be quite good fun and quite a challenge. But number one priority is out the world and commonwealth and I'd like an upgrade from the Olympic silver to a world gold. But um, that is not going to be easy to do at all, but uh, we're going to try. <laughs> and then the Commonwealth, we'll just see what, what we've got left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see, how Love tired. That, yeah. see how tired yeah.
3: you are. Yeah, literally.
0: You're also really good over 400. Is there, like, do you have long-term ambitions to sort of double up? It would be obviously a different double to, to Kelly Holmes, but... Do you have any ambitions over 400 or is it more just kind of keeping your eye in with the kind of really sprinty stuff?
3: Um, it is a keeping my eye in. Like, my aim at the minute for the next like couple of years is to make myself faster. I don't really know how fast that's going to be. Um, I feel like for me to double in the 400 engine, I've got to be running at least 49.50. Otherwise, there's not really a point. It's not going to get me anywhere. Um, but definitely, I'd, I'd love to make a relay team one day um, and run in that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, but I reckon if I was to have a double, it probably would be 15. People tell me I should be 15 when which I find very insulting. But um, <laughs> yeah, it probably is that, but the 400, I just have a lot of fun with and it's nice to just like mix it up a little bit.
0: Um, we know that um, Nike is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And obviously as a brand, it's been behind a lot of um, pioneering developments in running, inc- including shoes. Um, but what do you think are some of the biggest changes that's happened in your career and, and where, do you, where do you think athletics might go in the future?
3: changes are probably definitely technology-wise like with the shoes and also the um they, what's it called the pacing on the track that's very new they try to use it for 100 but it doesn't really work
0: okay yeah, yeah because yeah. it
3: only works in on the first lap oh no it doesn't work on the first lap it just works but then it ends up yeah because it's set for a certain and no one can keep up with it but um <laughs> I think, yeah, that's interesting. And then I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on that I've seen on Twitter, like it shouldn't be allowed or yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think it kind of depends on what what you're using it for. I think it's quite good because, you know, if you've got something in front of you, it's the same as Pacemaker, really, isn't it? Um, mm. So I'd say that's the only thing that I think's really changed. I think, I think where it might go is I just think, well, I hope people will just get faster. And I think there's a lot of... Um, lot more information now maybe like even nutrition and like how science can just even with recovery which can literally well what I'm seeing is adding years onto people's career you know especially with, and I think there's also a, a really good new like stereotype for like women coming back from pregnancies which I think is amazing because definitely when I was younger um I'm so younger, like I'm, I'm not having kids anytime soon, I'm only 20, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I definitely used to think like, oh no, that's something you got to do after your career, like I'm, I've got to be like 35, When in hindsight I don't, if I want to have kids at 26, I can, and watching people like Alison and Felix, and like Shelly and Fraser come back and still at the absolute top of the game is like amazing, and I think it's going to create a whole new line of like, no, it's pretty normal to do that, you know, you shouldn't be able to be and live like a, be, be a woman who want to have kids and come back and still have a career.
2: What about, I mean, we always, we always talk about, this is another tech question, but we always talk about the shoes being the thing that changes a lot. But what about like the apparel and the race kit that you guys use? Have you sort of even just in your career noticed that that's got better and, and has helped with, or is it just kind of, you get issued your standard set of like shorts and vest and, and away you go? <laughs> you
3: know what, there might be a science behind the kit because the material has changed. Like, since, yeah. if you look at like the 2018 kit, now we now we've got like a aerozwift kit i think it's called yeah. with like the it's like a ribbed like line whether yeah. that does anything i have no idea but it looks cool yeah,
2: yeah. Um, like it looks
3: really nice so um, you know they say feel feel good run fast so maybe it's that
2: there's always been when um they did the break two stuff and, and they were sort of all putting like stripes of tape on their shins with little spikes on it because they were like disrupting the air while they were running and there's all this really? sort of science yeah it's yeah, all this aerodynamics oh i guess because 20, you know, as fast as you can for 40k, yeah, yeah. that sort of. Whereas wind resistance kind of comes into it, but you know, I, I kind of always think that there's within the fast stuff, there's got to be a sort of a, someone's going to come through with a sort of like little suit on or something that kind of like you know breaks, breaks shatters a record because you you know you're slip slippery through the air or something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I like that. I feel like you could design that, Ben. Yeah, I'll use all my knowledge, my all my <laughs> engineering whiz, and just come up with something.
0: Yeah. Keely, thanks so much for coming on the Runners World podcast and giving us uh, your time. Great to speak to you about how you got into running and, and your ambitions for uh, for this year and beyond. So thank you very much, and yeah, I hope to get you back on at some point. And no, no, uh, thank
3: you very much for having me. I've enjoyed
0: it. So yeah, great chat with Keely there. Interesting that she was a swimmer, mate, before uh, before being a runner. Interesting that she uh, she quit athletics at the age yeah. of ten,
2: and then yeah. just uh, took, and then twenty twelve inspired her to to start again. Yeah, so so another it. another success for London 2012. Well done, well, London that,
0: 2012. Yeah, great. I mean, it was a big part of London 2012 as wasn't it? That like, this is going to inspire the next generation. Actually, yeah. when you hear from people like Keeley, who maybe yeah, like you say, would have been wouldn't have come to the sport. Those kind of Super Saturday actually has inspired, in her case, the next generation of of brilliant runners. So fair play. Also, um, got a nice swimming pool out of it over at East London as well. So that's yeah, good. that is good. I've and been, West Ham I've... got a football ground. So. I'm no, mm-hmm. not so. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm indifferent swings, to that. I'm indifferent swing, to that. Swings around about. <laughs> swings around. <roundabout. laughs> <laughs> no, and again, Ben. Like in some ways, I'm like 800 meters. Um, probably going to be training in excess of 50 miles a week at elite level. Yep. But no, more like 32 said so on average, and like loads of quality in there. It was like kind of four days, wasn't it? Of like. Yep. You know, and cross training.
2: Cross training, like and she, as Keely yeah. says, like a bit more sprint orientated in in the amount of sort of stuff that she's doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, another 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 elite focusing on quality, not quantity. Yeah, Guys, yeah.
0: pay attention. It would be interesting, wouldn't it, if she, if she has to go and do 1,500 metres because it seems that she's being advised that she's actually... You're not a 400-metre runner, you're a 1,500-metre runner. I would imagine that your training would have to change to be slightly more mileage-based at yeah. that level. Maybe. Yeah,
2: maybe. Who knows? We'll see. But, I mean, yeah, good luck to her for... Um, champs and yeah world champs and commonwealths because i think you know so there's a, there's a there's definitely some some hopes pinned on her
0: oh for sure yeah for sure you i mean it's interesting that she men, mentioned jess ennis because in some ways you know she, she's become a bit of a sort of poster woman for british athletics and only being 20 you think the best years are probably to come with her running um mm. she's already the british record holder indoors and out over 800 so it's like Wow, like sky's the limit for her, and actually, yeah, like 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 world gold, Olympic gold is actually something that's, yeah, you know, like a really realistic ambition. So that's always exciting, isn't it? Because track and field is so competitive, you know, to actually have a Brit who can who could potentially win a gold is mm. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. It's, it should be. Uh, well, we will we'll watch with fingers crossed. F- exactly, for, and exactly. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Huge thanks to our guest, Keely Hodgkinson, and to you, of course, for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already,
2: but thank you for listening regardless. And uh, subscribe to Runners World magazine. Go to the internet and search Runners World UK subscription, and that will sort that out. And then visit runnersworld.com slash UK for all of your internet-based running needs. And that is all the three things that you need to do right now. Thanks. Bye.